Welcome back to Hair of the Werewolf, a weekly supernatural and horror-themed podcast. I'm Chase, and I'm here with Lily. Hey, guys. Each episode, we attempt to scare each other with research stories from around the world, and admittedly, a few that are out of this world. So take a seat, grab a drink, and join us. So what are you drinking tonight, Lily? I'm having Chardonnay. I'm just going to keep it pretty simple right now. I feel very whiny. But this one's fancy from a bottle. No boxed wine today. Yes, and... What is the name you ask? I don't remember. The bottle's <laughs> not near me. It's that fancy. <laughs> it's so fancy. I can't pronounce it. Are you sure it's not just white table wine? <laughs> yeah. So generic, I forgot. I'm drinking the 394 Pale Ale from Ale Smith, the last one I have that I brought back from San Diego. So I drink it, sadly, because I love it so much. But It's a good one. So anyway, cheers. Cheers. Oh, no. We've been recording without my pineapple light on. I got to fix that. <laughs> Yeah. We always record with my pineapple light. Your little neon pineapple light. It gives me vibes. It makes me feel like I'm on a beach. Perfect. An escape from the escape. So we are two weeks into our 31 days of horror movie list. And for those of you interested in joining along, we have a calendar posted on our Instagram and other social media accounts. We have one movie per night, and it's through a range of horror genres such as comedy, found footage, monsters, slashes, etc. So there's always something for you if, if you kind of like horror movies. After our stories in today's episode, we will be discussing the second week of movies. So stick around if that entices you. There will be spoilers. Just yeah, as a heads exactly. Up. So we're going to be talking about him pretty, I don't want to say in depth, but we will be saying things that you might not want to hear if you haven't seen them. And you want to see it, obviously. Yeah. But we got to get to the most important part. We have to get to our stories. And Lily took extra long researching this time because she's like, I think it's a short story. And then it became a long story. And then it became a longer story. And so I'm really hoping it's it's sizzlingly good. Okay. So it's not as long as you're making it seem for sure. But I thought it was going to be like these really quick, multiple um, different types. of. So- you'll see what I'm saying. So for my story for today is movie set hauntings, The Conjuring. Oh, really? So yeah. Wait, is that the whole thing, or is it Movie Set Haunting's first one's The Conjuring? Just the first one, because I decided since we've been watching a ton of horror movies this month, and we always like to discuss the true haunted stories that inspire these movies, I decided for this episode to have a bit of a twist. I'm going to talk about the hauntings that occur on movie sets that were based on true stories. So it's like a, oh, okay. do so you know the, what I mean? I get what you're saying. So yeah. movies based on true stories, things that haunted happen on there where you kind of feel like, ooh, there's a connection because it's a real thing. Because it's a real thing. Yeah. Exactly. Well, this, so this month we didn't have The Conjuring on the list. We have had it on several lists in the past. It is one of my favorite horror movies. Oh, yes. But we think because it's so well known, we don't want to beat the dead horse and put it every single year. <laughs> we do usually watch it every year. We haven't watched it this month. We usually watch it as like an extra credit movie. Yeah. We always watch more movies than are on our list. That'll be there. I uh, think after I show you or like I present to you the story, you will absolutely want to watch it after because that's what that's a reaction I had. Well, and I think we should double feature it. We should watch The Conjuring one, skip the second one because I hate it, and then go to the, <laughs> straight to the third one, which was all right. Perfect. <laughs> Um, so one thing that I'm going to do is that this is probably not the last haunted set that I'll do because as it turns out, there are a ton of haunted movie set stories out there, but the conjuring was pretty thick in its material that it could be its own thing and not in the first movie, not even the franchise. The franchise has other haunted stuff, but like the first movie alone has a lot of occurrences. 
good way to kind of get the method acting thing if everyone's actually scared. Exactly. It really it really helps, I think. All right. So I watched a mini behind the scenes documentary for The Conjuring Universe that was released by Warner Brothers, and I was able to gather some fun information. For example, Warner Brothers Studios invited Bishop Brian Ouellette of the Order of Exorcist Atlanta, Georgia, to come to the studio and bless the cast and crew. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> And from what I understand, he has also blessed other Conjuring franchise movies before production. Okay. I should note that the first movie was not blessed. Or at least I couldn't find any information suggesting it was. And considering all the crazy things that went down during the filming, I can see why maybe they started to have more precaution. Which was um, the first one they blessed then? So I think it was... Was it Annabelle or the second Conjuring? or? Because um, 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 I can't remember the order they all came out in. So the one that I was watching that they were blessing was one of the Annabelle movies. Okay. And I can't remember which one, what it's called. Yeah. But it's the one with the with the babysitting. Is that the creation one? I think it might Annabelle, be. Yeah. No, 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 no. The creation, wouldn't that have been like the first one? No, the, <laughs> the first, first one was Annabelle. Annabelle. Then oh, there okay. Was, I know there's another one called the Annabelle creation, and I can't remember what the third one, but I'm sure it has just... An equally Hollywood title like Annabelle the Revenging. Like Comes Home or something like that. I don't <laughs> oh, know. Oh, wait. That might be it. Annabelle Comes Home. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. I didn't think I made that up, but I wasn't sure. <laughs> <laughs> it's somewhere in the depths of my mind. All right. Okay. Um, while Bishop Willette was on the set of Annabelle Comes Home. Oh, my God. I did put in my notes. <laughs> <laughs> we just had to be extra patient with myself. See, I don't even remember what I write down anymore. <laughs> Thank God there's not a quiz after this. <laughs> Thank God. Okay, so while he was on that set, he said to the cast and crew, quote, one of the things I think is important for all of you to really keep in mind is through the work that you currently do, the cosmos does not know the difference between fiction and nonfiction. So when you are working on something that has very dark archetypes, like a horror movie, these things can come to life. These things can be produced by any kind of interaction with these very archetypes, the very things that you guys are creating here, end quote. To which then he proceeds to pray and stuff. <laughs> so it's very eerie to like watch. Um, I thought that was a really cool way of, of introducing what I'm going to talk about. Even <laughs> though they didn't do it for the first movie, it's it just kind of like gives a perspective of what it became. Like and they how were maybe it, trying to avoid what happened in the first movie. Um, right. Yeah, yeah. Like let's tone down the evil a little bit. A very quick synopsis of those of you who may not have seen the movie that's important to my story. It's about a couple and their five daughters who move into a farmhouse in Harrisville, Rhode Island. The house is large and suspiciously underpriced. Almost immediately, the family starts to experience violent hauntings and seek help of world-renowned paranormal investigators Ed and Lorraine Warren. As the movie progresses, they discover that the family is being targeted by a malevolent force called Bathsheba, who also has demonic ties. So that's all you really need to know. And Ed and Lorraine Warren, for those of you who maybe don't know, were got famous because they investigated the Amityville horror. They're kind of the ones that helped push the yeah. story into the media and make it kind of sensational and everything. There was a lot of stories that propelled their career, but that was definitely one of the bigger ones. Yeah, and I mean, they're real, and I think Lorraine Warren is still alive. Ed Warren passed away a while ago. Lorraine is either still alive or just no, recently passed away. she has already passed, I believe. Had to have been pretty recently, though. I think it was like 2016 or something like oh, that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know, actually. I, I think I think so. Anyway, um, one of the earlier creepiest experiences that I was able to find was when the writers of the show did a phone consultation with Lorraine Warren. 
They wanted to discuss the various cases she and Ed had investigated in the past, particularly the case of Maurice and Bathsheba. Lorraine would begin to lose her train of thought, like she couldn't focus on the conversation. Mm-hmm. And then Lorraine would say, wait, ask me that question again. Ask me with conviction, please. She, was she drunk? Hold on. <laughs> That's something I would say. Uh, there's interference going on. Sometimes it doesn't want this information out, end quote. The writers were freaked out and said that we don't have to talk about it at this moment in that case. However, the next time they talked to her about Bathsheba, the interference happened again. So many might claim, okay, she's a little older. I think she was in her 80s when they were having this conversation with her. So they're like, okay, maybe she's just getting forgetful. (laughs) Well, according to everyone who had worked with her on the movie and movies and sequels after, they say that she has a very sharp mind and has no issues on set while she's consulting. So if she did have like something like Alzheimer's or whatever, sure. she wouldn't be getting better. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's it, the whole thing doesn't make sense. And it's all very creepy. She might have been trying to get it real nice for the writers, like totally put on a show. That's true. I mean, there is a lot of people who believe that they're a total hoax and that's something to really talk about. Well, I, I wasn't necessarily saying it was a hoax. It was just like maybe she was trying to make it like super sensationalized. Like mm-hmm. she was like, oh, I'm telling a story. I want to like really push it down. Like you can still be telling the truth, but just try <laughs> to make it sound extra juicy. Embellishing, letting them get their money's worth kind of thing. Yeah. All right. Well, so the first person I'm going to talk about is Vera Farmiga, who is the woman who played Lorraine Warren in the movie. The first time that Farmiga ever experienced anything was when she was working on her laptop and she got a call from someone, like someone from the studio about the role. Mm -hmm. She closed the laptop, took the call, and she had a conversation. She found out who might be cast in it, blah, blah, blah. And the last thing she remembers saying was, hey, if Patrick Wilson is in, who plays Ed Mm -hmm. Warren, she's in. So then she hung up. When she went back to her laptop, there were three claw marks that descended diagonally from right to left on her computer screen. Like, did her screen was ruined? Well, I had to look it up. I had to, like, all they said was three claw marks on her computer screen, and I'm like, this doesn't tell me anything. Finally, I was able to find uh, more information, and I guess the claw marks weren't physical, but they were in her computer, like, digitally. Hmm. And so I guess like she just clicked out of it and then it disappeared. <laughs> so it's probably like a really crappy <laughs> pop-up ads. The one that like feel like your screen is doing something weird. Just to get your attention. Maybe it's like slash prices today. <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> or it's like a Jurassic Park ad. <laughs> Jurassic Park three. Um, yeah. So I thought that was really weird. I'm pretty sure she didn't get this notification <laughs> in like 98 or whenever that movie came out. Maybe it was a to be um, advertising. Cause sometimes I get like, Really weird at like not ads but notifications are like oh my gosh check it out Twister's now on Tubi I'm like Twister <laughs> from the nineties <90s? laughs> okay thanks Tubi <laughs> oh my god um so that was the first experience she had um, during filming Farmiga would suddenly find herself waking up at three a.m. or sometime between three and four a.m. which is the commonly yes exactly known as the witching hour or sometimes referred to as the devil's hour. It carries this name because it's believed that the window between our world and the supernatural is at its thinnest. I'd also say, Chase, that's the you've been drinking half to pee hour. Yeah. <laughs> the amount of times we should have been like, 
I don't know, haunted because we're still awake at 3 a.m. <laughs> or like delirious at 3 a.m., which would I would assume make us more vulnerable is shockingly low. But we could also point out this thing. Maybe this weird stuff's happening, but you and me are just so drunk, we don't know. Like, I'm just imagining me walking to the bathroom to pee because, you know, I'm really drunk and I just woke up from it. And there's like a demon next to me and a ghost and all this stuff. But I don't notice it because I usually keep my eyes closed when I'm walking so I can get back to bed. That's true. Yeah. I don't need to have my eyes closed. I have the worst facial awareness. So this could all very well be going on. And I just would not see it. Yeah, You don't have to be drunk for that to be a problem. (laughs) This is just my existence. Okay, so then after the last day of filming, so this is the third experience, had wrapped up and Farmiga went back home. She woke up in the middle of the night in her bed and noticed that there were three claw marks on her thigh. Oh. I was able to find a YouTube video of her talking about it. And then she pulls out her phone, like on the interview, and shows a picture. So we have like physical proof, you know? And there was no like Jurassic Park font or anything there was no ad it wasn't like an aggressive (laughs) ad or it's like cutter cutter yeah we gotta really mark these gotta make sure she watches this movie (laughs) oh my god so um from what she says next after sharing her experience makes it clear that she's an absolute believer so the way she reacts to it is obvious um farmiga says that she prayed and believed that her faith allows her to be safe and she purposely doesn't pay attention to it because Mm -hmm. she does believe that if you obsess over it, you do give it power. Totally. So she's like, she acknowledges, she knows what's going on. She prays for it, but she's like, but that's it. <laughs> that's all you get. Out of sight, out of mind. Exactly. But on your thigh. But on your thigh. There are a few fun videos promoting the movie, the third Conjuring movie that I saw on YouTube. Because I wasn't sure at this point when I was watching these videos, if I was going to do the whole franchise sure. haunted stuff or just the first movie. But luckily, I did watch this movie because she mentions back to the first Conjuring. And she says that ever since the first movie, strange things have been happening to her. She even admits that most of the time she doesn't even tell anyone anymore. She doesn't say why. I don't know if she doesn't want to get dismissed or like people are over it or something. But you like, know, sometimes people can be pretty rude about that. Like if you're experiencing something that makes you uncomfortable, she's just like, oh, don't listen to her. She always has stuff and she thinks it's spooky. People can be mean like that. Yeah, and that sucks. You're like, okay, but like it's for real and it and it yeah, sucks. It's actually bothering her. She might need to talk about it. But yeah. Right. So she doesn't. So she said she doesn't even talk about it really to people. Uh, she then goes on to say that uh, most recently when she this one I thought was funny, but she's like for real. She pulls out her toilet paper, and every once in a while, there will be three scratch marks in the center of it. Weird. (laughs) I'm not trying to lie. It's just like, but she's like, every once in a while, like, it'll appear in random places, like, these three scratch marks. So, do you think this is kind of like when you've never heard a word before, and someone uses the word, you're like, what does that word mean? And then, like... Everyone kind of looks at weird, like, how do you not know? They tell you what the word means, and then for some reason, for the next, like, year, you hear hear. it, like, every week. Like, everyone's (laughs) using it, and you're like, like, a 10-year-old uses it. Like, how do they know what this word means? Do you think that's what's happening? That there's, like, naturally three claw marks everywhere, and she's just seeing them? Yes. I kind of know what you mean. The most recent word that I didn't know really what it meant, one one of the most recent ones was absconded. Like, I knew what it meant, but not really. And so now I hear it all the time, especially on SVU. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, how do I not know what that meant? Well, I don't know what that means. <laughs> it means like theft or like take or st- stole something. Because I was thinking like sconces, which are like built into the wall. <laughs> and I was like, is that removing of something that's 
embedded or something. Yeah. Now I'm probably going to hear that like everywhere. I guarantee it. I bet like my mom or one of our best friends is going to use it like tomorrow. I think actually I'm going to start using it a lot to really freak you out. (laughs) (laughs) Someone absconded my notes. So the, uh, yeah, basically that's what's possibly happening to her. Either way, she is seeing it a lot now. Oh, not a lot. Not like every day, but she has been noticing is it throughout her life. Is always three scratches? Always three scratches. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Do uh, you know if that has any significance? Like the specific three scratches mean anything? So in, oh, uh, in the paranormal world, usually if something knocks three times or scratches you it's three like times. against the trinity or whatever? Yeah. It's like the demonic. It's a demonic sign. It doesn't always have to be three. Sometimes people who've been scratched by an evil force or specifically a demon it can be a various amount of scratches, like multiple. Mm. But if it's three and it's random, it's not a good sign. But I was going to say, like, that's a pretty Catholic thing, the uh, Holy Trinity. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of sects of Christianity that do not even acknowledge that as a thing. Right, exactly. I mm. mean, definitely a Catholic thing, yeah, for okay. sure. But one other fact that she revealed during that interview I was talking about is that while they filmed these movies, I don't know if she did this from the beginning, but definitely in movies that followed The Conjuring, uh, both Farmiga and Wilson would carry around a small vial of holy water. Mm. That's kind of weird. So is Wilson also uh, a believer as well? See, I don't know because when, so when I was watching this YouTube video, they were doing uh, streaming. So they were like, I don't know, on Zoom or something oh, between yeah, yeah, Farmiga yeah. And, and Patrick Wilson. So they weren't in the same room. Sure, sure. But anyway, when Patrick Wilson was hearing her her toilet scratching story, like paper. <laughs> By the way, that's something that I'm glad we have context because otherwise like, so I was telling my toilet scratching story. <laughs> I meant toilet paper. <laughs> you know what I meant? Um. So anyway, like he was kind of like not laughing at her, but he's like, no, no way. Like that didn't happen. And, and, you know, when he, they talked more about it and what had happened on the, on the sets and stuff like that, he did seem a bit of a skeptic. So I don't oh, know, okay, okay. but if he did really carry the holy water, maybe it was out of kindness to someone because they were asking him to, or he thought it was fun. fun or maybe it would just like made him get into character that I believe. I'm a big fan of the holy water in the squirt gun thing that we've seen a lot of people do. I've seen, um, yeah, Ryan Bergara yeah, does that on yeah. set. I'm, I'm all about that. <laughs> I totally want holy water, uh, squirt guns. Yeah, that is my favorite thing he's ever done, I think. <laughs> I can just imagine walking down the hallway and, I, and like there's a creepy shadow. And I'm like, ha, hiss, hiss, squirt, <laughs> squirt, 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 squirt. Oh, I'm going to have a fan. So it really just... <laughs> just mist. It just gets a lot of ground. <laughs> the holy mist. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's what I'm going to start doing. Okay, so the next person I'm going to talk about who was on set and experienced something is Joey King. She played Christine Perrin, who was one of the children. One of the daughters. Right, one of the daughters. Which one, though? Just for my sake. Was she the one who smelled the stinky stuff in the room that one time? Or was she the really young one who was banging her head because she was sleepwalking? Not the the head banging. She was the one who got her feet pulled in the bed. So the one that smelled the rotting flesh at first, I think. Yeah. King had a very physical... And strange experience while filming The Conjuring. I read what happened to her in a lot of articles, actually. So this was one of the big ones that no matter what I was reading, this always popped up. Sure. But for some reason, I always felt like I wasn't getting all the information because I always had a lot of questions. But luckily, I stumbled on an interview that King gave on The Howard Stern Show, which she goes into great detail of what happened. So this is what happened. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I should probably tell you. 
So do you remember the scene when Lily Taylor, who played Carolyn Perrin, who is a mom, starts to get bruises on her arms and legs? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's like when it, the demon takes hold of her. Right, like it's starting to really infect her or like infest her or and whatever. she throws up. Um, but that's like way later. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, when they started filming these scenes, Joey King in real life started getting mysterious bruises on her body mm. in weird places like her stomach or chest. Yeah, that's unnerving. Yeah, because like they're not necessarily places where you'd accidentally hit yourself and not notice. Yeah, especially if the bruises look weird, you know? Right. Because the mom, her bruises look like hand, like fingerprints that Sometimes, were like really... Yeah, but not always. Uh-huh. Yeah. King even jokes that the makeup people at first thought that she was stealing the makeup and putting fake bruises on herself. So much so that they even started like try removing it with makeup remover. And she was like, I'm not stealing this makeup or whatever. Okay, okay. And then when it wouldn't come off, that's when they really started to freak out. They actually ended up taking King to the doctor for a checkup, to which then he recommended a blood test because he said that this is actually early signs of leukemia, which is horrifying to hear, especially when you're 12 years old. But it turns out that she had a blood thinning condition called, wait for it, Immune thrombocytopenia. It's a platelet disorder. Basically, it's when the body attacks its own blood cells. So you end up having a lower blood cell count, causing your body to be unable to properly clot or seal a wound. So she was injuring herself, but it would have been the kind of injuries no one would notice. But she wouldn't have to be that harsh with it. No, exactly. It could have like just you, been like she was leaning over her bed to pick something up off the ground. You she know, could like have when been. Your falls, and that's enough Yeah, to like when you your, lean on something and it kind of hurts, yeah. but you don't actually bruise. Well, she would bruise. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Something so it's, like it's, that. It's kind of like a, a not quite full on hemophilia, but it's a level of. Right. But it. Just a. It's. It. One of its symptoms is just clotting disorder. Something. Yeah, that's the similar part for sure, at least from what I know about hemophilia. So since this was already bad news, but it was even worse because it affected her ability to work, the crew members were very cautious and mindful of her condition and took precautions by having her go to the hospital before and after work every single day. So she had to get her, like, I think blood drawn to make sure that her platelet count was was fine. Yeah, it was high enough. And everything seemed fine, and she was taking extra iron to help build up more red blood cells. So she was doing everything she can to, like, not be sick. Why do I anticipate you're going to say once the movie was done, it went to normal? Well, let's find out. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just anticipating it. Uh, So fast forward to when they finish shooting. (laughs) (laughs) And King was able to go back home. So she went back to her normal doctor and had another checkup of her platelet count, and it was back to normal. Mm. Nothing was wrong with her anymore, and since then, she hasn't had any experience with ITP. We need to either bring her back to the same place she filmed it, or maybe bring her back for a sequel (laughs) and see if it comes back. Yes, person. Are you willing to have really high-risk, like, illness for our pleasure? Hey, every time people fly on a plane, they're putting themselves at risk. It's the same thing. That is so not the same thing. Ah, it's the same thing. No. So are there any more? Any more actors' experiences? Yes. Okay. So here we go. I'm actually not done with this story. Dun, dun, dun. So her blood platelets went back to normal and it's not the end. It's not the end of this. So let me tell you. So to this day, King says that the Conjuring movie still scares her to death. <laughs> she even admitted that long after she filmed the movie, when she Googled the name Bathsheba, that she felt a great sense of terror even while she's typing out the name. 
She felt like the witch might still be watching her. I should mention one tiny detail that could be used to debunk any paranormal affiliation. Sure. When King mentioned on her interview uh, on Howard Stern about her ITP diagnosis, I did go ahead and research more about it. And then one hour later, I found <laughs> out, <laughs> I found out one thing that I learned that I did not see in any article that mentioned, um, you know, this weird experience. And she didn't mention it either on the Howard Stern. She might not have known or or whatever. I have a prediction, but keep going. Okay, here we go. So (laughs) it's common for children to have acute ITP that only lasts about six months or less. Is it when they start their period for the first time? Woof, I did not see that. That's totally my anticipation because you said she was like 12. I was like, I could imagine in a body's adjustment to new changes, hormonal changes, and uh, including blood. No, because that, they, that said, they said kids, kids, like little kids too. Oh, well, yeah. Because I think they were grouping them. Well, the whatever research article I was like reading from, it didn't mention, or at least I didn't get to that part. Oh, okay. But they did say kids like tiny kids five oh, to I was just whatever. thinking like young teenagers and my prediction was, oh, it probably has to do with like puberty or something. But, but. see, that would make sense why it might be triggered. Oh, okay. So, yeah, so it can last up to six months, but usually it might be less. People who have chronic ITP, it is possible. So, you know, but that usually happens in adults. So if you're already, I guess I'm I'm assuming adult in legal terms, 18 and over, but otherwise I don't know what else they mean. It could be a lifetime thing. Well, let's hope she's dodged that bullet and she just has that small time. Yeah, exactly. But, okay, yes. And you're like, oh, maybe that's just what happened. However, even if it was an acute diagnosis... The timing of it is creepy. It is creepy. And I would, I'm not going to lie. It'd be amazing if she's like, every time we watch that movie, I get a new bruise. Then I've been like, oh. <laughs> I would just <laughs> never watch that movie ever. It's like, let's try one more time. Yeah, exactly. I mean, like, it just started making me think of all these things. Like, this is just a physical reaction. So, like, you know, let's just note that when something paranormal does happen, it is happening in our real world. Yeah. Like, when someone has a cold spot feeling, you can actually measure that, you know, the temperature. And when she was maybe having something, a reaction, possible supernatural, we never know. Yeah. It resulted into what people would interpret as ITP. Absolutely. The, the, the debate is almost always the cause, right. not what's actually happening. Like when you see an orb on, I, I know we joke about orbs a lot, but if you see orb an orb on like a photo or a video, that is something that's happening. There is an actual There's thing Something occurring. is happening. What is causing that is definitely up for debate. So the fact that it happened while she's filming the movie is During the really scenes creepy. that they started yeah. filming, the bruising yes, the real sequence. Creepy. Really strange. Poor girl. About at 12, man. That's still scary. I mean, that sucks. Me. I remember traumatic things, like, not like ridiculous traumatic things, but things that a 12-year-old wasn't prepared for that happened mm-hmm. when I was 12. And I still remember them today, and I get a little bit upset. And I'm just like, yeah, that's a really sensitive age. I mean, if puberty wasn't bad enough, like, let's just add some bruising. I would argue that I think puberty is one of the reasons because we always talk about, like, when when they talk about puberty and all that stuff, (laughs) about all the body changes that are happening, but they don't talk too much about the mental changes. And I don't mean the, like, ooh, finding other people attractive things. No, but they always say, like, you might be insecure. I'm like, bitch, I am, like, on the verge of suicide. I fucking hate life. Well, but it's even more complicated than that because your perceptions of the world change, but they happen just slowly enough that you're not fully aware that they've changed until 
reflection later on when you realize over this like couple year period kind of the way you see the world the way you interact with things like things that make you scared things that don't make you scared right uh how you feel being outside like your social world and everything how you function in those ways completely change so it makes total sense that during that particular age a traumatic thing can be even bigger because it's while your brain is just changing and so yeah (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that poor girl going through that. Because I think I don't blame her at all. Whether or not you can explain it away scientifically, I would 100% say if I were that girl and I was on that movie, fuck that movie. I'm never watching that movie. I will I never just, be in a sequel. Exactly. I think there's some association definitely like mentally to mm-hmm. that movie that that entire experience is just negative. Exactly. So the next person I'm going to talk about is producer Rob Cohen. During different interviews, Cohen mentions a few weird things that he witnessed during filming. One took place in the Warren's artifact room where they keep all the supernatural trinkets that they had when they collected during their years of paranormal investigation. Now, was he in the set version they created or was he actually at it? This is the set. Okay. okay. So I was just trying to like uh, say what the set meant sure. or whatever for Ed and Lorraine. That was when they kept, like whenever they went to investigate and something might have been haunted. Yeah, like the Annabelle they brought it back. dolls there exactly. and other weird stuff. Well, obviously the one on the movie set was fake, mm-hmm. but there Looked was- good, it did look amazing, and even... Um, I would have trouble walking through the set, even though I know it was fake. It was creepy <laughs> as F. Yeah, Lorraine Warren said, like, it's it feels like my own. And then there's that one, like, Japanese armor set. I want to know more about that. But anyway, let's get back to the story. Oh, yeah, that's right. Okay, so anyway. So even though everything was fake, there was this little pig statue that was there, and for whatever reason, would move around in different parts of the set. So everyone swore it wasn't them playing a joke. And it got to the point where the people were actually starting getting scared. So if someone was playing a joke, well done, without ever getting caught. Mm-hmm. But no one knew what was going on. Like, it was very creepy. Cohen also recalls the day that the real parent family came to visit the set, that it was quite a strange experience. He also said, quote, one of them actually had quite a reaction when she saw the witch that we have, the character that they were supposedly haunted by. Mm-hmm. It was in the middle of the day, and the set was packed with people. But just before they started shooting, all of a sudden, one of them bolted over to Pat. Uh, Patrick Wilson, I assume. I just look up from the hill, and Pat was just hugging this woman. She really had a bad reaction to it, end quote. It was Cindy Perrin, who was really freaked out. She was the second youngest child. So she would have been, I think, the one that was banging her head on the dresser. Actress or was the actual The girl actual there? girl, but I'm just trying to refer to the movie, sure, if that makes sure. sense. Anyway, so Cindy would later also say that the reason why she freaked out is that the witch looked exactly like the witch from her childhood. Really? That is interesting because Lorraine was really the only consulted on set. So either Lorraine being a clairvoyant, you know, psychic person, she would have seen this witch as well. So she was also directing how these ghosts or witches or, or whatever would appear and the fact that Sydney would freak out and be like yeah that's it that's pretty amazing so do you mean when you saw the witch like up on top of the dresser and she jumped down like that's the look that's the witch I would say that was a pretty iconically witch looking thing I like that she said that it's like just like she saw it, but I, I mean that's that's a pretty good depiction of what I think a witch would look like I kind of yes or no so I think there are certain imageries that if something is evil, it will have very specific looks to them. Like sure. maybe 
you know, like when you see a ghost, it might be more pale. It might be like this or that. There are like distinct features that if you are. But she was like, this is like verbatim. Yeah. Like she like, she retreated back to when she was a kid. She freaked Mm -hmm. out and just could not handle. That's a little upsetting. It's a pretty strong reaction, right? During that same visit, Chad Hayes, uh, one of the writers of The Conjuring, said that after Cindy freaked out, another parent family member said to him, quote, something really bad is going to happen out here today, end quote. Not moments later, the family got a phone call that their mother, Carolyn, fell and broke her hip. Carolyn was the only person that was not on set that day. Mm-hmm. When the family arrived by their mother's side, so they had to leave, obviously, and go yeah, back sure. to her and help. And I guess what they eventually said was that their mother was like, this is Bathsheba. The witch is doing this to me again. Mm. Like she just knew that's what it was. But the big question is, is she that kind of person that ever since it happened, whenever I think like she lost her wallet, it's like, God damn it, Bathsheba. (laughs) That's what I would do. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking Bathsheba. I remember Uh, uh, my, one of my roommates back in college, Andrew, Whenever something weird happened in the house, like a door would just shut, you know, probably because of the winter thing, or we'd hear something, he'd oh, yeah. always say it was Claude Rains. <laughs> and I loved that. I always thought that was cool. And I, I, and I kept that. saying that for years after I'm after we no longer lived together, I kept saying that for years, and I just thought that was great. Yeah. And I think I stopped saying it when I said it once, and everyone in the room said, who's Claude Rains? And I was like, <laughs> oh, no. I, I'm about, in the wrong crowd. <laughs> was it a younger crowd? Was it a non-paranormal crowd? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Uh, that that was the whole experience of that was very unsettling. It was something that was very noteworthy, especially for totally. people that were on set. You know, they're meeting the family. They're hoping that they are appreciative of the work they're do- that they're doing. You know, they're trying to like do them justice. They're not trying to like make fun of their story. They're not trying to uh, demean anything of it. But the fact that they got on set and all this shit went down, they're like, "Um, sorry. <laughs> like, <laughs> what do we do now?" So I'm gonna keep talking about chad and and carrie hayes no chad and carrie are the the two guys who wrote the conjuring yeah yeah so i'm gonna keep going down that hill during an interview carrie hayes one of the writers was asked when writing this were you worried you'd bring some of this on yourself his answer which i paraphrase because reading how people talk is a nightmare Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but he said that after filming for about four weeks he got a call from his wife saying that something strange had been going on in their house apparently strange water formations were appearing on their floor i know what, what water formations like, when i hear that i'm thinking like fountains no <laughs> <laughs> and so i'm getting kind of confused no like check out our water feature that i did get from what the way she she worded or like however he said it okay the way he heard it anyway um i think he means like strange large amounts of body of water or some sort some like way shape puddles things like something that. like that okay. is my guess the home they owned had cement floors and it didn't appear to be a leak from anywhere mm. hayes initial reaction was to ask if their very old dog had been taken out to pee <laughs> oh my god in my head i was thinking a dog's <laughs> pissing everywhere <laughs> right oh i'm so happy i'm not the only one all right his wife was like uh yes we take him out usually all day and you know regularly because sure. she's so old or whatever but that the dog is always in bed by the time they figure out this thing has appeared like it was in bed all day sure sure poor old thing i don't even I know. know the dog for some reason when i hear about an old dog i just want to hold it and i'm like <laughs> i don't even know what it looks like it could smell bad it doesn't matter i don't care plus another thing to add is that when she'd clean it she'd have to use three giant beach towels 
and then she would pick them up and drain them in the sink. She mm. never mentioned any odor or coloration. Okay. okay. She's like, it's straight up water. Okay. That's a lot of piss. Yes, that's if a, it's that's a lot if of that's piss. what we're talking about, you know. Hayes decided to call Lorraine and ask for her help and try to explain what was happening. First thing Lorraine asked was if there were any adolescents in the house. Mm. Hayes said yes. He had three teenage boys. Lorraine then asked if any angst was going on, to which Hayes reveals that their younger youngest son, <laughs> 15, was very was going through some stuff. We'll say. I'm gonna say a teenager who isn't angsty is weird. I think I think you get slightly less angsty when you're like 17, 18 or older. Like yeah. you know what I mean? Like 19. Being a senior in high school is empowering. It's a- <laughs> <laughs> like I'm done with all this college. Here I come. I mean, also getting a job really bogs you down. So oh, yeah, yeah, I didn't do that. But if I had, I think it would have. It helped my sister. It really limits some of the angst because you there's no other room except tired. And hating and the world. Yeah. Bitterness, I think, is the word. <laughs> Bitterness. <laughs> so, Lorraine explained that it was a water poltergeist. It will feed off the energy of an adolescent, and that's when it would materialize into water. His wife confirmed that during the times their son was having the hardest time, that's when she would notice water would appear. So, this had happened about four times by the time they contacted okay. Lorraine. After coming to this conclusion, Hayes and his family met with Lorraine and discussed everything over dinner. Although their 15-year-old son was freaked out, Lorraine reassured him that it wasn't his fault. And so then after that, the family never experienced anything again. Hmm. Interesting. I know, right? How fucking weird. That's really fucking weird. I know. And he like admitted it in on an interview. Like I read the transcript and everything. It's so crazy. So here's other stories from other crew members. All right. One of the hairstylists claimed to have strange experiences happen to them in a house that they were renting during filming. They would see apparitions manifest and get tugged at night while they slept. Okay. Could they be that conjuring? Could be a haunted house. Sure, sure. We don't know. After the artifact room was built, most crew members that entered the room said that they experienced something strange. Some felt uneasy or like they felt they were being watched. You know, some of the common things, nothing concrete. Yeah, but they a general feeling of unease. Yeah, but they didn't like it. One camera guy, when he reached over for his camera, saw a jar lid fall on a table from out of nowhere. Like, was, not near any jars? No, like, he was, <laughs> his camera was on a table, picked it up, and then just fell from space. Okay. And to which his response was, quote, I'm not going back to that room, end quote. He just didn't go back in. He's like, scared of a lid. He's. I don't. I don't uh, want to. Ju- excuse me. I don't want to judge him, lid. but I'm pretty sure I would have been freaked out too. But I'm just when you think about it, like when you're removed from it, you're like a lid. He won't go in there because of a lid. But like, but yeah. from nothing. But from nothing. Creepy lid, man. I'm just imagining one of the crew members on this was just like, dude, I'm gonna mess with everybody. <laughs> He's the one who's always moving that little thing inside the Warren set. The, and he's like, he just threw a lid in there just randomly. I, he's just like, let's see what happens. I don't think it is. But if anyone should, it should be the director. He's like, <laughs> yes, my puppets. Like, you know, he's like with the strings and, and just maneuvering and manipulating and freaking everyone out to really get a performance. The way to get it really good. Yeah. I don't think it is. But yeah. Here are some fun facts I found about the movie before I finish my story. Mm-hmm. The first one. James Wan, who, which, by the way, is the director. He's directed a million things. Oh, yeah, 100%. 
was asked if he could go to the actual location of where the true conjuring story occurred. Mm-hmm. And he straight up said no. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I know, right? I thought this was so I've crazy. Seen, I've seen pictures of the original house. Yeah, I did too. Yeah. yeah. And it's nowhere near as theatrical or imposing. It's actually a pretty ugly house. I mean, it's whatever. It's, it's pretty bland. I would yeah. never buy it. Even if it <laughs> okay. wasn't haunted. I, I was mean, like, I well, guess obviously. I need to add that addendum, but yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I just thought it was very strange. Um, well, not strange, but very interesting. Like, he's making this story. He's talking about it. He is in, immersing himself completely into yeah, it, yeah. but won't go to the original location. Huh. Just, I don't know why. Maybe it's his way of separating himself from fiction to reality. Not That's a bad fair. idea. Not a bad idea. Now, Lorraine Warren has said, oh, this is fact number two, by the way. Okay. Lorraine Warren has said many times that James Wan did an incredible job directing the movie because it was so close to the real story. Wan also commented that he took Lorraine's guidance very seriously and really wanted to make it a true, based on a true story. So whenever we make fun of saying like, based on a true story or inspired, this one legit took it to heart. Okay. So whatever you're watching... Could have actually happened. I have not covered the parent family hauntings yet, but when I do, I do want to do a comparison as we go along. Absolutely. That I sounds think, great. I think that would be really fun. So anyway, I just thought I'd mention it because sometimes like, for example, the Chainsaw Massacre, they're like, oh, inspired by a true story. And you're like, you mean that one serial killer that did that one thing and then you made a whole different if, story? If I'm not mistaken, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre was inspired by Ed Gein. Right, exactly. Who was... I actually think the killer in Silence of the Lambs is a lot closer to Ed Gein than the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah, I mean, I guess Leatherface. If we're being technical, I think the Texas Chainsaw Massacre took inspiration from a lot of stories, yeah. but that was a really big one. Yeah, I'd say if if you knew the story of Ed Gein and you knew Texas Chainsaw Massacre, you would not relate the two other than just being sick. <laughs> yeah. yeah, disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, another fun fact, and my last. Originally, the movie was intended to be rated PG-13. I'm so glad it wasn't. Well, when the directors, producers, and writers were giving interviews before the film was released, they'd often say it will be PG-13. That was the expectation. That was their goal. However, when it was reviewed by the Motion Picture Association, it was given an R rating. Mm -hmm. Even though the writers and directors were being mindful and not having too much blood, mature language, or even any sexual content, it was still given an R rating. Now, under no law are films forced to get a rating. Yeah. But there are movie theaters who refuse to carry a movie unless there is a rating. Absolutely. Okay. With that in mind, (laughs) they were absolutely cautious about it. They thought they did that. And what they didn't expect was that their movie was so scary that the guidelines were irrelevant. Now, when the creators asked what needed to change or what they needed to edit out to make it PG-13, because they really wanted to, um, they said nothing. The whole movie is just too scary for children. So I just thought that was pretty cool. And I would say it is, it scared me more than most movies I was used to. I'm not used to being scared like that for movies. There was just something about the way it was presented that I found truly terrifying. So I get it. It makes sense why... They were trying to keep kids away from it. Yeah, and it it does make sense. And it doesn't have a lot of the things that parents are usually like concerned about in the sense of like, yeah, too many sexual contents or, or cussing or blood or whatever. None of that was really in the movie. It was just really well done. But yeah, so that's my story. Nice. Well, 
I I really want to hear more of these. I want to hear more movies that had haunted sets. Uh, not necessarily. I don't think they need to be based on true stories. I think sometimes just if people are working on doing something scary, that can bring enough enough unease and and enough mental weakness that maybe some hauntings can go on. So I think this is pretty interesting. I'm pretty excited to see future installments of this little thing. Yeah, I think I'll sprinkle them in as we go along. But I am very interested in doing the original story, like the parent family hauntings. I'm gonna I might do that first before I do another one of these. Well, I think we should take a quick break before I jump into my story because my beer is empty and her wine is pretty close to empty, but (laughs) give her a break. She was talking the whole time. So we'll be back in a few. Okay, so I'm back. I have my wine. Chase has his new, is it an Oktoberfest beer? It's a fest beer and it is another last of the ones from san diego <laughs> so it's i'm feeling a little emotionally bittersweet about this there's a lot of last today saying bye to it see i'm drinking a society fest beer i uh, love that brewery it was great visiting them while we were out there not a haunted brewery though so well as far as i know so unfortunately no cool stories there all right today i have a very out there kind of story what was the name we we were looking through some articles saying like if you remember these, your back hurts. What was the oh. name of that tabloid? Like, Always had like alien babies with the president stuff. What was oh, that tabloid called? Uh, not the sun. Why did I go no, there? It wasn't the National Enquirer, was it? it? Oh, the National Enquirer. That's what it was. The yeah. National Enquirer. Okay. <laughs> so today's story is totally National Enquirer fair. But you know what? <laughs> Sometimes you just want to have fun with it. So today I have several related stories that are undoubtedly some of the weirdest things that I have ever covered. And these are definitely in the urban legends category. They're things that people talk about. There's not really any evidence to back it up, but yeah. people are just kind of like, it's there. What ties these together is where they are located. There are lots of strange towns with lots of paranormal and supernatural street cred, places like Roswell, Salem, Willow Creek, and Point Pleasant. Well, there might be another one to add. Because today, I'm going to talk about all the weirdness that happens in Lordsburg, New Mexico. Ooh. So, have you ever heard of Lordsburg? No. All right. So, (laughs) I think it's fair to say that many New Mexicans don't even know what Lordsburg is or where it is. Yeah. And to be fair, the only reason I know where it is is because I drove through it once on my way to Tucson with John. Oh. It's located in the boot heel, which is the southwestern corner of New Mexico. Mm-hmm. It's close to the border of Mexico, and it's close to the border of Arizona. It's a city with less than 3,000 people. It is dinky tiny, and yeah, most people haven't even heard of it. Like, there's no major reason to be like, oh, yeah, that's where this happens. That's where a big cave is. Or anything. No, it doesn't have any. Yeah, it's just like a tiny, a tiny town. Got it's it. It's got hotels because a lot of people stop there on their way through. Oh, okay. That's kind of their thing. Nice. It turns out a lot of weird things seem to happen in Lordsburg, so now I'm interested. So I learned about the weirdness in Lordsburg because I ran into a post on the New Mexico subreddit. User Zuzu of the Wolves <laughs> claimed they were writing a piece on New Mexican folklore and asked their people to submit their favorite tales. I'm still looking through them to find possible stories for future episodes. Oh, that's cool. But one did catch my attention because I was like, I've never heard of this. This is weird. Most of them I was like, yeah, I've heard of that, or I know about it. This one was weird. User Peace Mama <laughs> mentioned the Lordsburg Gate, oh. also commonly known as the Lordsburg Door. 
Does that sound familiar I mean, to you? I mean, you hadn't even heard of Lordsburg, so I no, assume the gate doesn't mean anything to you. But they should be the Lordsburg threshold or like <laughs> hallway or foyer. But there's an actual name. There's an actual reason why it, call, it has that name because that, oh, okay. that's like a thing. Well, if my Google searches are any indication, it appears that most people have not heard of the Lordsburg gate. In fact, the majority of the results were all referencing one particular blog. Most of the sites I found that even mention the Lordsburg gate are the sort that make you feel like your computer is somehow dirty after visiting them. (laughs) Not because of porn or anything like that, but because it's so janky and weird. The sites have weird ads and lots of script errors and block pop-ups, and it's mostly just a white screen with weird font. It's kind of like when you see in movies that people like stop at some random gas station in the middle of nowhere, and you're like, how is this place still in business? Those were the websites. Nice. So to make sure my computer sacrifice is not in vain, let's discuss the Lordsburg Gate. According to the stories, near the town there exists a most peculiar phenomena. Some claim it is a time portal, and others claim an interdimensional gateway. Not joking. Okay. It seems like who you talk to, you're going to get a different story, but also a different description of what it is and where it is. Oh. The only real resource I found was a blog entitled Desert of the Real Economic Analysis. (laughs) Yeah, it was a weird one. And as far as I can tell, the writer, his name is like Rob Beitner or whatnot, because he commented on another site that referenced his blog and said, I'm the writer with the name that could be wrong. I have no idea. Oh, okay. But I'm uh, here to forth going to refer to him as Feitner. He first heard about the portal through a website called My Strange New Mexico, created by Mike Smith. And after discussing it in depth with Smith, he was connected with various contacts and people in the know about the portal down in Lordsburg. Sure. His first contact mentioned that the portal was something ranchers in the area not only knew about, but despised. They would complain that their cattle would sometimes wander into the portal and not emerge out the other side. (gasps) And occasionally, other cattle would come out. (laughs) Yeah. The cattle was described as inferior Mexican cattle. Not joking. That's what it's Right? (laughs) Which I want to dissect that for a minute. I don't know anything about cattle ranching. I don't know anything, so... I have no idea. I realize. So I don't know how they would know that uh, cattle would be Mexican or not Mexican, unless maybe there's some sort of way that they're tagged or branded. I think, you know, especially in an area, if you're in southern New Mexico and you're right near northern Mexico, I can't imagine the cows change much over 100 miles. They just have, like... I don't know. I can't even think of anything because like the branding, then that could just be anyone. Exactly. So I don't know how they knew. I just wasn't. I mean, are they just trying to say that they're like crappy cattle and they just are racist and this is the way they describe it? <laughs> that's I don't what know. My guess is. But that's just what they said. So I'm just just saying what they said. But I think it sounds fishy and stupid. Like like sometimes our cows go in, sometimes they don't come back. And sometimes they come back and all of a sudden they're Mexican or something. Sure. Like, sure. Yeah, sounds like crazy. People. They have like an accent. I got it. The next contacts Feitner talked to also didn't know the location of the door, but knew someone who did. And in typical cryptic fashion, Feitner was not able to talk to that person directly, but rather through a friend of a friend. Of course. Who informed him that he was not worthy of knowing where the portal was. (laughs) So as far as I can tell, Feitner never got to see the portal in person. And according to the blog post, it seems like the exact location is something only a select few people know about. And few of them are the type to spread information online. I think they sound like a bunch of trolls. Yeah, it just sounds really crazy. Because you can just say that and you're like, oh, you've got like three people. We're going to tell people about a portal, but we're never going to tell them where it is. (laughs) But a man by the name of Ramon Ortiz claims to have seen it. 
It sounds like he describes the location as being north of Lordsburg near Gold Gulch. It sounds like to get there, you take Highway 90 north from Lordsburg towards Silver City. Near Gold Gulch, there is a road called Sepper or Separ, and near mm-hmm. it is a the portal location. He claims that near the portal is a tree stump with a leg bone sticking out of it. Like a real leg? Human leg bone, Ew. yeah. Ortiz claims that the bone belongs to someone who walked through the portal and was fused into the tree, and the bone is what <laughs> remains. That's so weird this stuff. makes like very little sense, but okay, I got it. Really weird stuff. Yeah. I mean, I'm wondering if people said, that looks like a bone, and this is the story that came up, but this is what, what yeah. they just said. However, Ramon Ortiz is, shall I say, an interesting person in what <laughs> stuff is posted online. He claims that there are multiple portals, and one of them is conveniently in his basement. Of course, And yes. he also seems convinced that they have a religious connotation. He kind of said something along the lines of, the end is nigh, kind of crap like that. Oh, so, yes. you know, I'm not sure he's reputable. Does he point. have a collection of signs that say... The end is near. <laughs> now, if you thought his Made story couldn't get weirder, just wait for it. <laughs> because this isn't the only supernatural thing he is tied to in Lordsburg. He has an extensive history of documenting UFOs in the area. Perfect. And you didn't think I was going to sneak in some end of episode encounters, but I am. <laughs> Double whammy. Ramon Ortiz and Benji Medina are self-proclaimed ufologists who have video footage of UFOs going back to at least 1990. They've posted some of their favorites on YouTube to watch. Oh, okay. That's kind of cool. Most of them have been taken in the cold, or at least I assume they were because the footage is shaky as hell. Oh, no. But one of the videos actually looks pretty intriguing. It was during the day, and a bright, shiny object appeared to be floating above the town, completely stationary, which was pretty neat. Ooh, that is creepy. That's kind of cool. And do you know what year that happened, or...? I don't, but judging by the camera quality, at least 10 years ago. <laughs> okay. I think it was, I think the video file was uh, UFO Lordsburg 89, and I don't think they meant 1989. I think okay. it was just the 89th video because there's a whole lot of different ones. Oh, I see. Okay. Now, because of the limitations of potato video cameras, I will say it could easily have been a weather balloon. But regardless, they have hundreds of separate videos of different UFO encounters, so we can say that they're persistent and that the skies above Lordsburg do seem pretty busy, which makes sense considering that there are more than a few UFO sightings reported in Lordsburg with regularity. Mm-hmm. MUFON, if you remember the UFO network, Ooh, MUFON. the organization that tracks UFO sightings, has several reports from Lordsburg. One that I found kind of interesting from 2018 was filled in from a Lordsburg local. He detailed an account where he mentions that he's seen planes and helicopters in the area regularly and at night, so he knows what they look like. But what he saw in the sky was very different. He described a stationary light with an hourglass-like figure that seemed to rotate, and it stayed in the sky for 10 minutes, long enough for multiple witnesses to see it, including his sister. Mm. As the light began to fade on the object, it changed its orientation and rapidly moved across the sky, changing shape. So he was a little bit weirded out by it. Sure. It was a bit wordy, but at the same point, I was like, okay, this, you know, he took the time. He tried to explain why he knew it wasn't this or this or this. He thought it was a helicopter at first. Yeah. But as he kept watching, he could tell it was in a helicopter. I don't know. It was pretty interesting. The UFOs, I'm not going to, I'm not going to dwell on those too long because I didn't get any really solid UFO stories that were particularly exciting. The next part is where I thought things got a little weirder. We had a portal. That was weird. (laughs) The UFOs, already kind of weird. You said 
weirder. This part is weirder. Let's do it. When I was doing research on the Lordsburg gate, every site seemed to mention the pterosaur. Oh my god. <laughs> oh yes. Like I said, National Enquirer Hold stuff. on. Where's Vera Farmiga? Let's tell her <laughs> Jurassic Park 3 is here. Let's do this. Yeah. The, I don't know how many claws the pterosaur has, but I bet it's three. <laughs> As the name might suggest, a pterosaur is a giant flying dinosaur. <laughs> and by that, I mean the extinct dinosaurs from 150 million years ago dinosaur. Of course. Not like calling an alligator a dinosaur. So we know that those dinosaurs actually did live in the area, you know, some hundred plus million years ago because we found numerous bones and skeletons, fossils during excavations throughout New Mexico. Yeah. But I'm not talking fossils. People have claimed to see living, flying pterosaurs near Lordsburg. Enough people that has been cemented as a well-known urban legend in the area. What? Most of these reports claim that it was either a pterosaur or a thunderbird with a 50-foot wingspan. Okay, that's fucking cool. The blog My Strange New Mexico covered this strange urban legend in some detail. A man named Leroy Jones claims that ranchers in the late 19th century would regularly see massive flying creatures that were reptilian in nature and harass the area. So, I mean, All right. like 140 years ago... I don't know how well they knew all the animals. They didn't have the cow goes moo games like we did. So Sure. Now, okay, I get it. Really ridiculous. But who said that dinosaurs aren't ghosts too? <laughs> dinosaur ghosts. It's all a right. dinosaur ghost. I never even thought to myself that these could be ghosts of dinosaurs. The spirit lives you, on. You've now opened up my mind. Thank you. It's actually kind of funny how often these sightings have occurred throughout the southwestern United States. In 1890, two men claimed that they chased down a pterosaur that they shot in the vicinity of Tombstone, Arizona. Now, I want to know more about that story because in 1890, I don't think many people even knew the concept of a dinosaur. Sure. So I'm wondering what they were I mean, actually describing. Because, like, you know, the first dinosaurs, when they tried to even build what they thought they were, they did it wrong. They didn't know. So... I, 1890, that's... They knew they were ancient creatures. Or they thought there was like a dragon. I have no idea. Okay. In 1972, Ronald Monteleone claims to have seen one such creature in northern New Mexico near Maxwell, which was right around the time numerous sightings are reported throughout Texas. So, you know, 70s was a big time. Mm. And most recently in 2007, Las Cruces local Dave Zander claims to have seen two pterodactyl type creatures oh, okay. in the Oregon mountains, not Oregon. He claimed that they were as large as small planes and it was even covered on the TV news like KOAT or something like that. Oh, did you ever find it? Like maybe uh, I a, looked, it, oh. it's hard to find specific news stories that old on YouTube. Yeah, I figured there are no photographs or videos of any of these sightings. Typical, you know, yeah, otherwise sure. you'd have something to look at. <laughs> I would even settle for a finger in front of the camera looking at a dinosaur, but we have nothing. That would be me taking a picture. A lot of people do claim that they probably just saw condors, which isn't that far mm -hmm. of a stretch because condors can be quite big and their ugly, round, featherless heads <laughs> really do look kind of like some of those old dinosaurs. They're very wrinkly and, and yeah. kind of round on the top uh -huh. and they look kind of weird. Like condors are hideous. But they have tiny heads. Like, I guess. Well, some of them have big heads. Do they? Yeah. And so when you think about the condor, to me, I don't think about the bird. I think about the supersonic plane that allowed us to go from the U.S. Oh, to sure. Europe in just a couple hours. That was awesome, and they don't even fly them anymore. 
But when you actually look at the bird, you're like, huh, that's such a beautiful <laughs> name for such. I mean, they look like not ravens. Why can't I remember the name of those those birds? Uh, the ones that like eat carrion birds. I know exactly what you're talking about, and I'm also blinking. People are probably like, how do they you see them flying in circles around dead bodies? Why can't I remember the name of them? Like, you want to say pigeon, but they're not pigeons. <laughs> we know all know what pigeons are. The nasty pigeons. Yeah, the 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 guards in the Disney Robin Hood cartoon. So, I mean, they're really hideous, and so that's what people claim that they probably have seen. Maybe they did, maybe they didn't. I don't think condors get to have, like, 15-feet wingspans, but once again, I'm not a zoologist. I mean, I just remember when I did the Mothman um, story, they thought they were cranes. Oh, well, yeah, cranes won't be in the middle of New Mexico, but I can see cranes because cranes do have a lot of those same features and shapes Somewhat, of a dinosaur. Yeah. So if they were in an area where a crane would be, I could see that easily. Yeah, I don't know. I would actually be as surprised if it was a dinosaur or a crane in the middle of New Mexico, just saying. <laughs> Either one is very strange. Now, I'm a guy who grew up reading comic books, and the idea of dinosaurs still existing, somehow escaping the extinction... I love it. It's not new to me. It's a really exciting thing. I love dinosaurs. Marvel Comics had the Savage Land that the X-Men went to where there were still dinosaurs and cavemen. <laughs> and it was also the main plot behind a popular character named Turok. Was Turok a dinosaur? No, Turok was a from a tribe that lived in a land where dinosaurs still existed. Oh, is that the one that was like under the earth? No, no, that's... Uh, journey to the center of the earth that's a little Damn it! no yeah this one you went through a cave but then you came out into another land and so it was a comic book that came out in the 50s that my dad read called turok son of stone but then it became turok dinosaur hunter when we were kids and they made a popular video game series everyone played on the nintendo called turok and you hunted dinosaurs and stuff what it's really good i've it's, literally never heard this so and we also grew up with jurassic park i love dinosaurs i want dinosaurs to exist even though science <laughs> tells me they don't stop dreaming this is science yeah so <laughs> suspension of disbelief has to go really far here but it's still kind of a fun idea so we have mysterious portals where the location is kept secret by the five guys who know all about it and think it has something to do with religion okay we have skies full of ufos and that's only when they're not full of dinosaurs. So just like Bigfoot <laughs> and the Mothman, most of the stories live in urban legends. And are these things based on real things? Or are they just kooky stories about a completely normal town? I think that's up to you, and it's up to me. I don't know if I believe in dinosaurs, but I like the idea that if I drive down to Lordsburg, <laughs> I might get to see my first dinosaur. Well, I believe in dinosaurs. I just don't think they exist now. <laughs> That's what I like. They did exist. I can guarantee that. <laughs> so maybe if we ever decide to go to Tucson, we'll take the low route and we'll go through Lordsburg and take a look around. And I see think if there's that some would cool be stuff. really cool. I'll make sure to take lots of pictures, hopefully. Well, well, that. As weird as it is, that's my story because I <laughs> fell down this crazy rabbit hole of some of the most bizarre stuff ever where I'm like, Lordsburg, oh yeah, I drove through there once and like dinosaurs, portals, UFOs, I'm like, this is a weird town. And then if you just drop a Google Street View look in there and you look around, you're like, really? Here? It just seems this very is where it's happening? normal out here. What, which is funny because like, I do believe that maybe something is going on there. It just might not be portals are like as extravagant as they might be appearing i don't know maybe maybe it is but it just sounds so ridiculous for a town that i've never heard of now here's something this is this is getting you guys ready for a future episode don't know when but soon 
this got me reading about portals, which apparently seems to be a recurring thing mm -hmm. in a lot of supernatural sites. And I found one particular portal that's interesting. It'll be a whole episode on its own. But I want to just talk yeah. about the craziness of Lordsburg. This other one has a really good story to it. And I will cover that at a later time. Yeah, so Lordsburg seems like it might be a weird place. And we have to check it out. I mean, I don't want to break anyone's, like, imagination or dreams. But Roswell isn't a particularly exciting-looking place <laughs> either. So that shouldn't be a reason to detract us from going there. I mean, it's still full of nice people and all that. So we'll check yeah. it out. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, so that's that's my weird kooky story for today. That was a lot of crazy in a short <laughs> amount of time. Didn't think we were going to talk about ghost dinosaurs today, did you? No, I did not, but I'm glad we did. All right, so now is the time that we are going to go and we're going to talk about the next week of movies in our 31 Days of Horror. So as we said earlier, there will be spoilers. So if you guys don't want spoilers, this is the time to go to the next episode. Assuming you're living in the future and we have our next episode out. Or unless you're vibbing, you're just skipping it anyway because you're too scared. And if you, <laughs> exactly. And if you're going to another podcast, don't forget about us. <laughs> don't leave me. So just as a reminder, the movies that we are going to talk about today is The Witch, Life After Beth, The Void, Black Death. We're going to discuss The Watcher, but not the way you think because we made a mistake. <laughs> Halloween, both the original and the new ones, Happy Death Day, and Spiral from the Book of Saw is its full title. Yes. So, and we also watched an extra. We watched Werewolf by Night on Disney+. Plus. We're oh, also yeah. going to discuss that. All right. I think now it's time for us to get into the uh, discussion. Wait. I must get more wine. I shall return. It will make no difference to you because I'll be back now. Instantly. <laughs> right, did you see how instantaneous that was? <laughs> It's so delicious. I'll just let you know, uh, because we added it all out, but her wine did just magically appear <laughs> full over here as well. So mm -hmm. it, it was spooky. All right. So the first movie of the week is The Witch, which if you want to watch it right now is available on Tubi, which is a free streaming service and actually the best streaming service around right now. I will swear by that. It does have ads, but it doesn't matter. They're not too ever present. They're great. Yeah. The Witch is... One of my favorite horror films of all time. And if my good buddy Mikey's listening, also one of his favorite movies of all time because he has good taste. <laughs> uh, I remember the first time you and me watched that many years ago when uh -huh. it first came out. I can't remember. There was someone else we watched it with. You, Who was it? I don't remember. I just remember the conversation was you liked it, but you didn't love it. But then the second time you saw it, you loved it a lot more. Like yeah, it grew on you. It was it was one of those movies that I made a terrible, terrible mistake of having drinks beforehand. Yeah. And then I was like really excited to watch a horror movie. And I was like, yeah, it's going to be like scary as hell. And like, I don't know. I, I guess in my head, I thought it was going to be a lot faster. As, mm -hmm. It just, it wasn't fitting the vibe of like, drunk lily mm -hmm. but it was so good that i was like not mad at it yeah. i just it's just not what i was wanting totally i think it was exact it was it exceeded my expectations the first time i would say that it's unquestionably on my top 10 horror films of all time maybe even in my top five it does everything right i don't think i have a single complaint about the movie great acting for those of you who don't know but you didn't care about spoilers or anything, it's kind of it, it takes place in the 1600s, I believe. Yeah. It is, you know, puritans that are trying to survive in this one family gets kind of exiled from their town and they decide to hold up on their own and then they 
run into the evils of witchcraft. Right. And this movie portrays witchcraft as being real. It's a, it's true witchcraft, right. And it is the most terrifying portrayal of witchcraft I've ever seen. So we all love movies like uh, Hocus Pocus. All that's a lot of fun. We like that. Uh, but, I, you know, usually witches are portrayed in kind of like a goofy way, like most monsters are. Most monsters are kind of kind of goofy. But this was very terrifying. It's it brutal. It really upset me. There's a scene where a baby's guts are being mashed up in a little bowl mm-hmm. and it's probably one of the most horrific things i've ever seen in you a movie you don't see anything no, but no. the implication you know what it is even though you don't see obvious. it is obvious yeah and it's just really good and one of the reasons the dialogue is so amazing is they say even at the end of the movie that a lot of the script was written using letters from the time so yeah. the the language is is very authentic mm-hmm. and it's very powerful and it's very lonely. It's very isolated. It's just wonderful. One of the things that I was reading about when I, you know, after I watched the movies, uh, sometimes I want to know a little bit more about it, blah, blah, blah. Anyway. So one of the things that I thought was pretty cool is, you know, that part where the daughter is playing peekaboo uh-huh. with the baby that was supposed to be the opening. Really? Well, originally, they were thinking that might be it. Like a cold open, baby disappears when she's playing peekaboo, and then you move on to the witch. It was very much a witch-centric, like it revolved around her. Oh, yeah. But the director thought it would have been more, I don't know if it was powerful, but at least to give some context as why the family is where they are. Because like, why I would you- I made the right choice. Right. I 100% agree. Why would you live near a witch or somewhere that you felt threatened mm-hmm. for so long? Mm-hmm. I mean, granted, sometimes you don't have a choice, obviously. But here we have a family who's like, anyway, my child got kidnapped. I guess I'll just live here. Um, yeah, so that w- I thought that was pretty cool. But I do agree that the director made a really good choice. Well, and I think the other thing I like about this movie is in it, it's obvious throughout the whole movie that they believe in witchcraft. Like, it exists in this world. They, there's no question of, oh, I don't believe in witches. But they still assume that maybe the baby who's taken away was taken by a wolf and they are setting up traps to try mm-hmm. to catch the wolf or anything like this. I like that they did a very realistic portrayal of what a family might have been at that time believing in this stuff. It wasn't it wasn't kind of like if someone tells you today that there's a witch that did something, you're going to get rolled eyes and all this, lot, this yeah. weird stuff. But this was a time where people actively believed in this. And so it was very exciting to see the world portrayed so believably and accurately. I thought that it was, I think you're right because like, even though they had this concept of, yeah, witchcraft is real. Like we just accept that that's correct. Um, they live in a very hostile environment. So yeah, assuming their lives that an are animal, hard. yeah. So there are the animals that are live around them is more mm-hmm. tangible, if that makes sense. And so to believe that maybe an animal ran away with a baby is more believable than a very quick witch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I would say that one of my favorite, horror movie villains is from this movie. It's Black Phillip, the black goat. Uh, yes. And the goat has a very ominous voice. And me and Lily, we're guilty of jokingly <laughs> using his, the quoting him around the house, like bringing, I'll bring Lily a shot and I'll be like, do you want to live deliciously? <laughs> Things like that. So great villain, very believably satanic and evil. I just think this one's great. I can see how some people might not like it because it's very period piece and, you know, 
times back then weren't full of amazing, exciting things all the time. A lot of people might find this slow, and that's a fair argument, and there's nothing wrong with that. So it won't be for everyone, but I say this is for people who love period movies. This is for people who love horror movies, people who like both. It's just great. It's a good one. I 100% think it's one of my favorites now. If you're drunk and you want to watch it after a night of partying, I don't recommend it. (laughs) But if you're just looking for a good horror movie, 100% recommend. Absolutely. So the next movie we have is Life After Beth, which we rented on Amazon. Yeah, we had to rent it. But it's it's supposed to be on HBO Max, which we don't have. Sure. All I knew is that it was a horror film and it had Aubrey (laughs) Plaza in it, which meant I was sold because I love Aubrey Plaza and I love horror films. But I didn't know what the movie was about. Yeah, so I, I, I was say shocked. I was a little shocked. I thought, I thought you did know, because nope. I think we've seen the trailer a long time ago. I was probably drunk. Don't that remember That is also any of it. very true. Yeah, so I thought it was, I was very excited about it. I remember thinking I wanted to watch it in the past, but it was never available. And I was like, you know what, this year we're just going to bite the bullet. I know we could have just like gotten someone's password or whatever you guys say sometimes, but we rented it, blah, blah, blah. Fast forward, we watched it. And I don't know, what did you think? So I actually really loved it. So for people who are listening to this, not having seen it, but don't mind the spoilers, it opens with a funeral where uh, like a teenager, his his girlfriend has passed away. But you find out very soon afterwards that his girlfriend is alive, but not because they lied about her being dead, but she just came back to life. <laughs> but she's not all right. And you slowly realize that she is a zombie. And it's a very different interpretation of zombies because she's still her, And she still has her personality, but her brain doesn't quite work right. Like something's wrong. Like she's a weird facsimile or something. And the thing is, is yeah, that's exactly what it is. It's just like, it's a, it's like a echo of her of some sort. And she has her brain, but she keeps, she keeps losing herself as if she's deteriorating. Exactly. Like she really is deteriorating. Like her body. Cause uh, he even references that like kissing her is gross. Cause it's like, she's is rotten and smelling and stuff. (laughs) And don't worry. She does slowly become more and more zombie-like. There is the desire to eat other humans. And she's not the only one. Other zombies start popping up. Yeah, it's like this whole apocalyptic scenario. Way towards the end of the movie, we finally figure out that it's happening to everyone. Everyone's family members are starting to knock on their doors and being like, hi, I live here or something like that. Yeah, it's very strange. But I laughed a lot. I was entertained. I didn't know where it was going. I was ready for... I was ready to just watch the whole thing. I was into it. I do recommend it to people, but it is it is a comedy, and it's kind of a quirky comedy, so it's definitely not going to be for everyone. I will say that Aubrey Plaza puts in a very classic Aubrey Plaza performance. Love it. If you want more Aubrey Plaza, she does a great job here. <laughs> John C. Riley's also awesome in it. Oh, yeah. The main guy, who I can't remember his name off the top of my head, and that's not meant to be disrespectful, he was in... The Valerian movie, and he was in the second Andrew Garfield Spider-Man movie. He played Harry. Oh, right. I can't remember his name. I'm still on the fence with whether or not I really like him in his roles. I was going to say, I actually really like him I think as he's an actor. Creepy. <laughs> but I think that's why I think he's a really good actor. I think he does exactly what he's going to do, yeah. and he does it well. The first time I ever saw him, to no one's surprise, was in an episode of SVU. <laughs> and I thought he was really good. He, he played a drug addict, which I thought was very fitting. Um, just because of like how energetic yeah. he can be yeah. sometimes. Yeah. And yeah, no, I, I think he's great. I thought he did a really good job. Um, the movie overall, I would say though, sometimes I felt like the pacing was a little off. It wasn't a perfect movie. I would say yeah. it had issues. Yeah. Pacing was off. 
I would say some of the funny scenes, it felt like with a couple revisions would have really hit harder. Mm -hmm. And there's some scenes that I think fell a little flat. It's not a perfect movie. I mean, it's one of those ones you give three out of five stars because it was good enough that you enjoyed it, but you don't necessarily need to watch it again. Right, exactly. But I would say that uh, it's probably, if, if you're looking for a well a well enough made movie that isn't super cheesy, it's probably worth your time. For what it was doing, it was, it was impressive. It was a very weird story, and I didn't know where it was going to go, ever. Yeah. That that was a thing that I found interesting. Yeah. But I'd say the biggest surprise was halfway through the movie, when you've already seen, you know, pretty big name actors and everything, and everything seems to have, all of a sudden, Anna Kendrick shows up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, where has she come from? You'd think yeah. she would have been in the movie a lot earlier. And Anna Kendrick, she's she's a delight and on yeah. screen, too. Uh, but I, that was probably my biggest surprise. I'm like, what? the hell are you doing in this movie but so I, late i accepted with open arms absolutely so <laughs> all right so how about we do it this way let's go back to the witch real quick okay you say recommend kind of recommend or don't recommend very recommend all right same here now life after beth um somewhat recommend i'm gonna go with somewhat recommend too yeah all right third movie the void there's one lily put on we've seen it before i love it you i'm gonna let you take this one away because you you have a strong opinions on this one. Yeah. So here's the thing. I hadn't seen it in a very long time. I had only seen it once before and I remember loving it. And again, full disclosure, the first time I saw it, I was drinking. So it, it definitely vibed with drinking Lily. That definitely <laughs> did occur. So I was like, okay, let's just watch it. Not drinking. You know, we had a kind of a busy day and, and I was like, let's do it. So when we watched it, I did still really like it. There were things that I think I remember being more powerful than I thought. But at the same time, I thought it was just so well. The ambiance always kept you feeling kind of sad. <laughs> and yeah. I know that sounds really weird to say. And you're like, why would I want to feel that? But at the same time, you're like, you always felt in like a tense. Like it was, it was a very tense movie the entire time. Yeah. Things always kept happening. And although... Weird stuff happens. This but is a very yeah. bizarre supernatural movie. Definitely takes strong influences from the original, not the original, but the 1980 thing movie. Yeah, 100%. Uh, not not the 50s thing, but a lot of weird body horror, a lot of weird, gross, tentacle, evolution-y stuff. Yeah, the only complaint I guess I would have had, na like the second time viewing than I did the first time, was that there wasn't enough dwelling on whenever a creature was presented. I agree. Like there was too many, too many things happening at the same time. Yep. And you were like, nothing ever got explained or rather got enough screen time for you to fully care, not care, Absolutely. but immerse yourself yeah. in. And so even though everything that was presented to you was awesome, you wish you got more of it. Yeah. They, it wasn't enough of a taste that you were excited. Cause the creatures were done well. They were, I think they spent a little too much time on the interpersonal drama, which yeah. I think was overdone and the monsters were underdone. I would say on paper to me, this movie was really good, but there was something and I tried to explain it to you and I just don't think I did it well, but I'll, I'll try to explain to our listeners to see if maybe someone out there understands what I'm trying to say. Have you ever had like a weird dream? <laughs> Where while you're in the dream, so everything's kind of off. Mm -hmm. Everything just feels uncomfortable. There's there's a constant uncomfortableness. Like you don't know you're in a dream, but you don't want to be there. Everything just feels weird. Everything. It's kind of like being in a really awkward situation and nothing feels right. And it's very uncomfortable. This whole movie feels like that to me. Yeah, okay. And I don't mean that in a good way. I don't mean like where they're trying to create a situation where, you know, everyone's like, oh, everyone's scared, like a sense of dread. I, 
I throughout this whole movie felt uncomfortable like I was in one of those weird dreams I couldn't wait to wake up from because nothing felt right humans didn't seem to be talking like humans the lighting didn't look like real lighting the hospital didn't look like real hospital and so I felt that the first time I saw it, and I was drunk when we saw it but this time I wasn't drunk and I felt it again just the same and I was like yeah there's something about the style the lighting the filming the directing the pacing everything that just I had a really hard time with so much to love about this movie but I'm not gonna lie I I was ready to be done with it because there's just something that I found very uncomfortable they do have a different okay so like in the movie it's about a cop who um if in case you didn't see it but I we're talking about this assuming you did Mm -hmm. the cop that got shot or like found that one guy at the beginning of the movie and then brought him back to the hospital the closest closest hospital to him was transitioning out. Like it was about to be closed down. Yeah. So the idea was that there were like five people there because there was, they wasn't supposed to be a functioning hospital. Yeah. It was just to have enough equipment to mm-hmm. take this very dire situation. So I kind of see why they were doing that. And I thought that was pretty cool. One thing that I remember about the void that I was like, Oh, okay. Was the, like, again, the, the creatures for sure, but the portal that they were very much emphasizing that was like between our world and like some weird space thing. Yeah. What I think the void, the title I think was referencing directly. Yeah. Yeah. But the main guy who turns into this weird creature, by the way, is straight up Vecna from stranger things. Oh yeah. 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 If, if you guys uh, love the do stranger things and you haven't seen this, you can tell that, there's no way the people who designed Vecna did not use this as but not either even, conscious or unconscious inspiration. But the other world part, right? Oh, like the, yeah. That entireness, I was like, am I watching Stranger Things but really fucked up? Yeah. It's very uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah. You're, I think you hit that. When you put it, he's like, that's Vecna. And I looked at him like, oh, my God, it is Vecna. <laughs> yeah. So, so would you highly recommend, somewhat recommend, or not recommend? I say somewhat. So me, I'm on the fence between somewhat and not. I if know. people have my reaction to the weird tonalities, it's a not recommend. But if you're like Lily and it doesn't bother you, then I would say somewhat because the just for the monster designs alone, there's a lot of cool stuff here. And the acting's good. Oh, Knives from Scott Pilgrim is Ayo, in it. And she did a great job. Uh, I wish she had a bigger role. But so anyway, all right, that's it for The Void. Now, the next one is Black Death. Now, Black Death is on, oh, by the way, Void is on Tubi. And Black Death was on Hulu and Prime streaming. So, and, this and one, I think Tubi as well, wasn't it? It might have been. I think they listed so many things, and I just went. I with think two it's. Big just, ones. I think we said that last time. It was like it's kind of a hoe. Like yeah. it's on everything. <laughs> it's everywhere. <laughs> so this one, after watching, I don't know if it's would be accurate to call it a horror film, but I do think it's tonally in line with October. I know. I think. Okay, so full discretion. When I first saw this movie. I don't know what I remember about it. I just remember liking it. And then I saw a trailer and I was like, ooh, it is spooky. I think I'm just going to add it on the on the list. And so I didn't expect it to be more of a period piece, but it did have, in my opinion, horror supernatural elements, of course. Right now, out the gate, I would say this is something I recommend to people who are a little nervous about watching horror movies because they don't want to be scared by them because it doesn't really qualifies a horror movie, but it is kind of like... But it is serious. It is serious and it's a bit spooky. This is about... It takes place back in the Middle Ages during, you know, one of the huge flare-ups of the Black Death, the bubonic plague, and they've heard about a town where the plague hasn't affected it, Mm -hmm. and they believe a witch 
or a, a sorceress or something is in charge, a necromancer, necromancer is in yeah. charge of the town and they've gone away from God and that's the reason the plague isn't there. So they send some people being led by Sean Bean or Sean Bond, Scene Bean. You can go either way with it. <laughs> this movie is really good. It's fantastically made. Uh, this is, I think, the third time I've seen it. I like it every single time. It's, once again, just like The Witch, a really well-done period piece. Yeah. And it's really awesome. The best part about period pieces is to see how a different culture or society at the time interprets supernatural stuff. Once again, this is a world where people are like, necromancers are real. Witches are real. And they believe that the plague has something to do with godliness. Right. And so it's just really good to see how that portrays out. Well made. Yeah. I don't know if I meant to like put two movies of the same kind of flavor in there, like The Witch and then Black Death. But I think I was just on a vibe when I was doing that week. I was like, I was all about it. Yeah. And I, and I hadn't seen, you know, Black Death in a long time and I straight up fucking still love it. I don't know if I would consider it a horror movie full heartedly. I'd say it's like 60% there. But it works in the realm of horror films. Yeah. This is a non-supernatural movie that deals with themes that horror movies touch. But it never said it wasn't kind of supernatural. It's true. It never says it's not supernatural. It's not in your face supernatural. Yeah, yeah, put it that way. So I put that as a strongly recommend. Um, I'm in the fence of somewhat too because I'm afraid that people might want something more out of it. I agree. Super like like paranormal or scary or horror. So if you're looking for straight up in your face horror somewhat. This isn't the right one. Because it's still a good film. But you should make time. Yeah. But if you're like, I just want something cute. Definitely. (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding. All right. So the next one, let's have Lily explain this. The next one's The Watcher. And Lily's got to kind of explain what happened here. It was a big mistake and we apologize. Chase says, explain. He's like, let Lily (laughs) take the knife in her chest fall for this one okay this is my bad i thought it was a movie when it's i not. put it on the list it's a freaking show which is okay so yeah we listed on our on our calendar the 2022 the watcher there's apparently a watcher that came out like last year a movie it's like a thriller but it's not a horror also, that's not it that didn't come up when i looked it up yeah, i didn't yeah. all these other movies that i thought well, one, I didn't know existed. I should have been more specific if I did put this on. I usually mm-hmm. would put a date if there were more than one sure. movie that was titled. We did put a date on this, I think. Oh, okay, good. We um, said Netflix 2022, like it gets released. Perfect. Doesn't matter. It was not a movie. It was not a movie. <laughs> it's a show. And so that was like my biggest faux pas, I would say, of this month. Because we haven't even watched the whole thing. Okay, so we tried watching the first episode. Well, when we found out it was a show, we were upset and we're like... Uh oh, we just told people to watch a show. And then we watched the first episode and we didn't finish it because it just wasn't vibing with us. And that might have been because we wanted to see a movie and we're it's in the right because place. Because we were in a poo poo mood. Yeah. Let's and face so it. so we haven't really watched it. The reason it was on the list though is it's a dramatic reenactment of a story you covered just a few episodes ago. Uh, oh yeah, The Watcher, yeah. of course. And and I really wanted it to be a movie, or I, at the very least I thought it was, and that's why I wanted to put it on the on the list, basically. All right, so then for the next movie, we watched Halloween. So the one that we were going to watch specifically was the original from 1978, which we did. Yes. But we also mentioned that we were going to see if we could check out the new one. So we also watched, we somehow skipped like the 2018 one, but we watched the 2020 Halloween. Kills. Kills and the just recently released Halloween Ends. Yep. So we can just talk about them all. The original 78 one, absolute classic. It is one of the best slashers Still out there. might be one of top three horror movies. For me, I know it's weird for people to 
like whenever I tell people they're like, really? The original? Like, I don't know. One of my favorites. Well, yeah. And I was someone who always liked it when I, ever since I was like, yeah, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. And then when I saw it in theaters for the anniversary release, I was blown away by how many things were actually scary. Things I'd seen. I knew they were coming were scary when you see them on the big screen. Made me realize presentation's a big deal. But it's a great movie. It kind of is the quintessential slasher. Mm -hmm. Really like it. But going into the new ones, Halloween Kills, which is a very controversial one, I liked it when it came out. Saw it a second time. Still really like it. I Oh, you do? Okay. I disagree with a lot of people. I think it was a really good movie. I think it is the quantum of solace <laughs> to the movie that precedes it. So the oh, James Bond movie, Quantum of Solace. Yeah, well, a lot okay. of people didn't like Quantum of Solace because it, it doesn't necessarily serve fully as its own movie. It's the epilogue to the previous movie. Sure. And it elongates the story, makes it really good, and it, it, it kind of is its own thing, but it really requires that previous movie to stand to be with it so it can be a complete story. Oh, I, I put it... Okay, so I know what you're saying. So I'd say, like, Finding Nemo and Finding Dory. Mm -hmm. I think Finding Dory is probably my favorite, but you couldn't... It couldn't be your favorite unless yeah. you knew about Finding Nemo. But I would argue this one has, since it takes place immediately, like minutes after the previous one and, oh, sure. and starts wrapping up some story elements, I think it's absolutely crucial to see them together. I really like it. I think it's great. And I actually think that should have been the last one. And then oh, we watched yeah. Halloween Ends. Yeah, we did. <laughs> Now, don't worry, we're not going to spoil that one because that's a brand new movie and a lot of people haven't seen it, so we're not going to do any spoilers with that. But I am going to say I was not a fan. I not only think it's a terrible Halloween movie, it's one of the worst horror films I've seen in recent memory. Ooh, wow. That's I, a lot to say because we saw The Cube. I think, oh, yeah, no, no. Cube is worse. I would say The Descent 2 is worse, but only Marjorie. <gasps> They're both terrible. I think I was just let down and maybe my feelings were hurt yeah. because like I was expecting something different that Halloween three or Halloween ends, however you want to say it. I don't even know what I wanted. I'm pretty open, I think in general. So whatever it did, it was like the opposite of what I wanted. Well, without me knowing what that was. Just tell yourself what you would expect from a Halloween movie, not necessarily a final Halloween movie. Just say what you, what things you expect from a Halloween movie if you write them down and watch the movie, you'll realize that almost everything you wrote down was not in the movie. The only thing that I thought was pretty metal, I don't know like what I want to say, but like crazy, was the intro. The opening scene was yeah. absolutely phenomenal, but it could have been in any movie. It doesn't have to be in a Halloween movie. It could have been in any movie. And I think that's why it was weird. Yeah. 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 So anyway, I, I hope if you guys do go watch it, I hope you like it. I know a lot of people do like it, and I always want people to enjoy things. So I hope you do like it. I was disappointed. But anyway. <laughs> As much hate as I'm having right now for the finale of this trilogy, I am going to watch it again with a clearer mind. Same here. If that makes sense. Like, like now that I know what to expect, maybe I can, like, appreciate for what it was instead of being a little jarring. Always of where good it went. to see something that you have a lot of anticipation yeah. for two times. Agreed. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so rolling back on, uh, the next movie was Happy Death Day, which it looks like you have to rent this one. We had already bought it through Amazon, but you have to rent it. <laughs> because you love it. Oh, man, this is one of my favorite horror films of all time. It is a comedy, so for those of you who think people don't like the scary stuff, I wouldn't call it a scary movie. It's a horror movie, but it's not a scary movie, and it's funny as hell. Also in my top ten, unquestionably. Yeah. 
probably in my top five as well. I put it in the same realm as like the final girls. Kind of the same kind of vibe. Absolutely. Yeah. It's it's just really good. And it is a Groundhog's Day movie where a girl keeps getting killed by a slasher killer and she's trying to find out who's killing her every single day. Yeah. So every day she wakes up, quote, dies and then wakes up again. She's like, okay, it wasn't that person. Let's find out a different way. Or like, yeah, it's her finding her own her own death mystery. Exactly. That's pretty awesome. But the as a good time loop movie does, it differentiates itself enough from Groundhog's Day with different plot elements to keep it fresh. In this case, you learn that every time she wakes up, she feels weaker and weaker because that every time new. she dies, she realizes she doesn't have an infinite number of redos like in Groundhog's Day. If she doesn't figure it out soon and stop the loop, she's going to die. Right. And that that added that level of urgency to her situation, also realizing that every time she died, if it was a really bad way to die, that might hurt her a lot more. Amazing cast in this movie. I thought everyone did such an amazing yeah. job. I, even like, just the side characters and stuff like that. Like, I don't know. I thought it was such a well-done movie. And I would say that I can't think of a single thing that I didn't like about it, so I'd say that not a single complaint. When I was watching it, there were things I was like, wait a minute, but... In the movie, that gets explained, and all of a sudden, it stops being a wait a minute moment. Sure, yeah. Now, there is a sequel. We have seen it. We love it. I think it's great. And the best part about the sequel is that it actually, you can tell they were thinking about the sequel while they were writing it because there's elements in the first movie that are directly referenced in the second one that didn't have a purpose in the first movie. Like, they weren't there But they there were there, reason, and they, they were, were like, there. and you're like, oh, shit, like... This brings so much more information in my head. Yep. That's amazing. And so if you liked this one, so if you haven't seen it, I'm saying hardcore recommend. And if you did like it, I am recommending the sequel as well. So yeah. Agreed. Yeah. All right. And then the last one is Spiral from the Book of Saw. So I think the movie's just called Spiral, but then like colon from the Book of Saw. We had to rent that one as yep. well. Chris Rock. Samuel Jackson. I don't know if I remember any of the other major actors' names. Um, I don't. But it's a new Saw movie, but they change things up. Instead of showing the point of view of the victims, this is mostly a cop who's trying to catch a Saw copycat. Right. Who's going, I think they, by the title, they're implying that that copycat's name is Spiral. I love Chris Rock, and he is the best part of the movie. He he does his role well. He's a great actor. He's funny. Yeah. He's awesome. And I enjoyed watching it for him. I wasn't crazy about the movie, though. Yeah, I agree. I was so sad because I thought this was finally, like, not finally. I mean, there's obviously other movies, but another movie that could bring my love of true crime and horror all right? in one. And I was like, this is it. It had the idea. I'm going to love it. And it was a bit of a letdown. It was very predictable and mm-hmm. a little, how do you say, the what's a word where... They're just feeding it to you, but you could have just figured it out your own. Oh, yeah. They're, they're pedantic, maybe. I don't know. Um, it just felt a little insulting. Like, I was like, I they're are patronizing you. Patronizing, yeah, because like something would happen and you're yeah. like, oh, I get it. And then someone would be like, oh, it must be because of what we said before. They have to spell it out in black and white. And you're like, oh, yeah. I mean, I know. Can we move on? It's like I when don't movies know. give you a flashback, something that was two minutes before. It's like, I know. Yeah, I yeah, yeah. And not even just that, but like they'll probably get it later yeah. if that if they just missed it for some reason. I'd say my biggest complaint is normally with the Saw movies, the exciting thing was you, you know, especially with the first Saw, the classic one, you're kind of through the point of view of the victims. And the idea is, can they get it out of there? Can they get out without dying? It's very stressful. It's very suspenseful. That's, that's where a lot of your anxiety comes from. 
But in this movie, everyone's already dead. And then they kind of show you what the saw torture mechanism was after the fact. So you, since you know they're going to die, it just feels like a grotesque gore porn at that point. Because yeah, a little bit. Showing you the gore doesn't matter anymore because it's no longer, oh my God, can they still make it? It's everyone's already dead. Ah, but when they showed the gore scenes or whatever, it was leaving some sort of hints. That's true. Or like clues. I'm not saying there wasn't a purpose, but I do think that the suspense and the 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 question of can they make it was all gone. So I think it didn't feel as good or as interesting as the Let other Let me ones. just put it this way. When I was able to guess what was happening halfway through the film, it was just not fun anymore Agreed. for me. Like I was like, I know who the killer is. Could we move on? Yeah, you guessed it before me, but I will say I had the idea that you did, but I yeah. was just like, eh, I don't know where they're going, but I didn't know if I cared. yeah. I will say, though, if you do watch it, at the very least, Chris Rock's performance is really good. Yeah, uh, I think he I, is, yeah. I always enjoy him. He's yeah. always fun. Yeah. Yeah. So give us the recommendation. Recommend mm. passing or no? I'm just going to say pass. Yeah, me too. I'm, I'm going to say pass on this one. All right. So that covers all the movies that we watched this week. But we did do a couple extra movies. But the one I want to talk to the most, the one I want to talk about the most is Werewolf by Night, which was released as a special presentation. It is in the Marvel Universe, and if that means you're rolling your eyes and hating it, stop for a second. (laughs) I'm telling you this from hearing from a lot of people out there who don't like Marvel movies but are horror fans. They say that this movie is worth their time. It's the only Marvel thing you need to watch. It's only 50 minutes. If you have Disney+, Plus, it's worth your time. It is an homage to old, like, 1950s -hmm. horror films. Uh, and it is very fun. It's got the fun that movies like Van Helsing wanted but couldn't do right. <laughs> it's interesting. The The characters are cool, and there's one character in it, Man-Thing, who oh, yeah. I've been a fan of since I was a kid, and, and I was always worried that he was going to look stupid on screen. He is the best part of the whole short. It is yeah. bloody like you wouldn't expect a Marvel thing to be, and we watched Moon Knight expecting it to be bloody, and it wasn't. This was bloodier. This was crazier. This was out there. It feels like a love letter, and it's really good. Yeah, I think when I first watched it, okay, so here's the thing. I'm not even a big Marvel fan, but- I make her watch them. I've somehow seen <laughs> all of them. Yeah, that's because she's married to me. Including a lot of the shows. So I know the whole universe. Yeah. Here we are. But when I started watching- I finally like everything I that was in there. I felt like I knew mm-hmm. already. So I guess it kind of felt like what you feel when you watch the Marvel movies because you're such a comic book fan. Yep. You're like, yep. oh, it's finally realized and in real life or whatever. So when something like supernatural or like monster, you know, cryptids or whatever are being like manifested into television or really well made movie, I get very excited. So I was already sold and I fucking loved it. I loved it i'm so happy she liked it because i think i would have been really sad if she didn't because i was worried because she's not into the marvel stuff she watches it because i you know because she's married to me if she didn't like it i was gonna be really sad because it was like this might be the best chance for her to like something <laughs> and she did so i'm very happy and it only made me more sad for what i got with moon knight because that's my favorite character and it wasn't a bad show but i wanted so much more and i wanted more of what we got with werewolf by night out of moon Knight. and i think that's where it should have gone honestly if they had done something like that i think it could have i don't know could have there been was a so brand much brand new thing there was so much potential yeah well anyway so i highly recommend that it wasn't on our list 
I was so, we, we talked about it knowing it was coming out, but we didn't want to put it on the list because we were so worried it was just going to be garbage. And it turned <laughs> out to be one of the best things I've seen. So now that we look back at the whole week, and I'm going to count Werewolf by Night in this, of this week, what was your what w- what was your favorite thing to watch and your least favorite thing to watch? And and by that, I don't mean your favorite movie of last. I just meant when we watched it in the last week, which one did you have the most fun watching and least fun? Doesn't mean which one's your favorite of all time. I just mean in this last week of enjoyment, the best experience. So this okay. So this past experience, I think, um, in this week is definitely Werewolf by Night. That's my favorite. So it's not even on the list, and it was my favorite thing in the world. Um, Second, I think will always be The Witch, only because that movie is so amazing. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where I'm going to go with that. <laughs> so I'd say Werewolf by Night was my favorite because it was just such a surprise. Yeah. Uh, second for me is Happy Death Day because it's one of my favorite Oh, movies. sure. You love I that. I mean, I think Happy Death Day is probably is better than Werewolf by Night, but the surprise of Werewolf by Night was perfectly Enough. winning. And The Witch is, you know, a very close third. The least favorite thing this month was The Void for me because it's just made me feel uncomfortable. Mm. I'm not counting The Watcher because we didn't actually watch it. <laughs> We didn't watch The Watcher. <laughs> so I think my least favorite, I would say Halloween Ends might be my uh, least favorite. Yeah. Yeah. I'd say I'd say The Void's a better movie than Halloween Ends. <laughs> I just felt uncomfortable watching it. So that's But I'm not willing to, to give up on it. We'll see if I feel the same way next year. All right. So for next episode, we're going to discuss Event Horizon, Urban Legend, Fresh, Sinister, what we do in the shadows of the movie, not the show. You're next, and death becomes her. Woo-hoo. So, if you want to see any of those movies to hear what we have to say, please check them out. Check our Instagram post so you can find out where they're available. Some of them are going to be rentals, some of them are going to be on mm-hmm. free streaming services. So, I think that brings our episode to a close. Yes, it does. And if this is your first episode with us, welcome. And I hope you join us again. If this isn't your first episode, Hello. <laughs> Remember, you can always email us at hotwpodcast at gmail.com with story suggestions or your own spooky experience for our listener episode. It's still not too late to submit one for our upcoming episode at the end of this month. And as we always say, if you find yourself at a work week hangover or a white wine kind of hangover, <laughs> me in the future, well, don't worry because the best cure for a hangover is fear. Bye.